Well, hello, hello. How are we tonight? Awesome. Is it crazy to think that, like, school is right here? Like, it's active? It's like, yeah. Raise your hand if this week went, like, the school week went better than you thought it would. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Raise your hand if you think that if, if the week could have been a little bit better for you. Okay. I'm sure that's all of us, or in some ways, but sure. But the good news about this is that tomorrow starts a new week, and so you get the opportunity to make it great, and that's the truth, and this isn't something to be preachy. This is something, just encouragement as someone who has been where you've been, who has struggled the way that you've struggled in a place that may be hard, may be challenging, may be difficult, but, but middle school, especially that first week, some of you may be here for the first time, maybe like, I don't know people, I don't know anybody. My encouragement to you is just like, be the friend. First and foremost, I think if you're struggling making friendships, I guarantee you there are other people sitting right around you guys that are also struggling with the same thing. And so if you're gonna wait and wait and wait for someone else to befriend you and to introduce themselves to you, you might be waiting a while, just flat out. And so my encouragement to you this week is just be the friend. Be the friend that someone else needs just as much you need, and I think you'd be surprised by the result. I think you'd be surprised by the people that you meet. I think you'd be surprised by the outcome of you taking that step and being the friend, the kind of friend that you would want for yourself. Um, but that's just a, a quick little plug for you guys because I know how hard it is and I know the difference it makes to, to truly be the friend. And I think that goes to the same for here. I think here is a place where I wanna encourage you guys to be a friend. We have a lot of new faces every single week and it's an incredible thing and an opportunity to love on people because you guys are coming from all sorts of different places too. So get to know each other. Get to know, I told this morning, we we're talking about relationships and relationships are a big deal and they will continue to be a big deal for the rest of your life. And so make the most of it. Get to know one another, love one another, encourage one another, because this is, we're, we're in this together. Um, that being said, two weeks ago, a number of you guys made a huge decision to enter into a relationship with Christ. And literally, it's one of the like, most incredible, like, life-changing, best decisions you will make for eternity. Like, seriously, I'm so like, humbled by your decision and honored by, uh, by that decision for you. And so I just wanna speak to you real quick. If that was you, Caleb challenged you to tell five people, to tell, tell either me or him, tell your parents, tell your friends, tell your small group leader. And I personally just wanna know how that's going. I wanna know like, who you're sharing this good news with because we wanna walk alongside you in that journey uh, because you're not walking that alone. And then secondly, if you made a decision to follow Christ two weeks ago um, and don't have a Bible, don't have a, your, a personal Bible that you can put your name in, that you can spend as much time in as you want, um, find me afterwards, and I will make sure that that changes tonight because I want you to have a Bible that we can say is yours and that you can then begin that walking through what the Bible has to say about your, you, about what God has for your identity, what God has for you for the rest of your life. And so those are just two quick things um, that I wanna encourage you for those who made decisions two weeks ago. But for the rest of us, we are starting a new series called Accuracy. And so for the next five weeks, we are gonna be going through this aspect of looking at do we have an accurate view of God? I think it's a super important question to ask. And so that being the case tonight, we're really gonna look at this, this concept and this idea, or this question, one, of who is God? Who is God? And that's like a vital, vital question for all of us to be able to answer. And tonight, we're gonna be looking at this idea of, of God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is all-present. And we're, there's a word for this, and it's called omniscience. But before we dive into that, I wanna ask you a quick question. I wanna ask you, have you ever judged someone, just by raising your hand, if this is you, have you ever judged someone 
by their appearance, by their social media, by the way they dressed, by the way they acted, the way they treated you or treated somebody else. And then, hold on, I'm not done yet. And then we're super surprised by how wrong you were by that judgment. Anyone ever done that before? Okay, yeah, I would imagine it's all of us, especially this week, because I, you guys, every single one of you are making judgments about people, whether you want to admit it or not. I know it, because it is human nature to do that kind of thing. But we are often, we can be wrong about some of those judgments. I want to tell you a quick story about a friend that I had in college. Well, he wasn't really one of my friends at the time. But there's this guy in college that I had a really, really hard time connecting with. But I was friends with all of his friends. And so I was over at their place all the time, hanging out. But every time I interacted with him, it was like the cold shoulder. I felt like, like I had to prove myself. I had, like, I had to be somebody that I'm not. And it just wasn't adding up. But I knew that we had a lot in common. I knew that we had a lot of the same interests, a lot of the like, similarities, a lot of classes together. But for some reason, we could not click. And I just couldn't figure it out. But I was watching him interact with other people. And the dude was loved by everybody. Like, he was the life of the party and like full of energy, full of life, full of like just, just fun. But that was not the same person that I encountered just when I interacted with him. And so I just judged this guy hardcore. I thought he was like the fakest prick in the world just because he didn't like me. And so I just judged him as that. And I was like, if you don't, you're not worth, you're worth my time. So maybe you've been there, but if, it's funny looking back at life now. It's funny looking at guys right up here. Don't worry about that. It's funny to look, at, look back now because I could not have been more wrong about who he was. Because genuinely, he's one of the greatest guys I've ever met in my life, and to this day, he's one of my best friends. And so I think, and part of why we make wrong judgment calls is because we don't always take the time to get to know people. We don't always take the time to get to know their full stories. We don't take the time to understand and to have an accurate view of who they are. And so instead, instead of taking all the time, we simply just accept what other people say about them, what you've somewhat experienced about them, what other people have said they've done, or what you've, said, you've seen and said other people have said they've done. And so you just kind of create a half-equated like, judgment call on someone without actually knowing them and having a, valid, a valid reason for doing so. I think we've all done it. That is something that we as a people, like we have all been there. But people aren't, the only, like, people aren't the only subjects that we actually judge. I think that we actually are misjudged. I think that we, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, that we do this with our relationships with God. I think sometimes we have a mis, like, inaccurate view of who God is. And this is why we do that is because I think we too often believe what society tells us to believe about God, what our friends tell us to believe about God, what social media tells us to believe about God, rather than actually getting to know God himself. And so in all of that, in the disbelief and the inaccurate view of who God is, it can lead us to question God's goodness. It can question us to, uh, question us to question God's love and even his existence at the end of the day. But just like we can be wrong about our friends, just like I was, just like you may have been, like we can be wrong about who God is. We can have an inaccurate view of God. And so tonight, I want you guys to take away, like we're gonna be diving into this like, series of of having an accurate understanding of God. How do we do that? How do we know what, who is God, who God is? And that's the question, who is God? And so tonight as we leave here, I want you to know what it means to have an om, omniscient God. Omni means this. Omni means everything and all. And so, and then you have omni and then you have science. And science is an old way that people used to refer to that which is known. And so you have all known, everything known. 
And that is who our God is. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So as we look at this truth that God is an all-knowing, or is all-knowing, you need to understand that he's this. He's total. He's complete. He's boundless. He's universal. And he's comprehensive in knowledge. Like, literally, he knows it all. And to me, this is one of my favorite characteristics about God, simply because, like, he knows me. And if you were here two weeks ago, you heard my testimony, and you heard me share a story of how, like, I had a deep desire to be known. And I think you all have been there. You want to be known, and you want to be known accurately. You don't want to be, mis- like, misinterpreted. You don't want people to be in school, like, having, like, spreading rumors about who you are and who you aren't, right? I mean, you want to be known, and you want to be known accurately. And so we talked through this idea of this desire to be known, and what we found is that in the Lord, like, we are known, and that's the beauty of it. See, in God's omniscience, he knows us. He knows you, and he knows me, and he knows everything about each and every one of us. He cares so deeply for you, and he loves you more than you can comprehend. And so the answer of the question of, like, who is God? Well, this is who God is. Like, God is an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, loving God. And it's awesome, but it's one thing for me to sit up here and tell you this, and it's another thing for you to experience that I know. And so we're going to dive into the story of a character in the Old Testament tonight who, lit, was, who loved God, was loved by God, but did, that didn't mean it was easy. Like his life was seriously brutal in so many ways. And so you may be familiar with the story of Job, or you may not be, but if you aren't, I want to encourage you to like read the story. This story is absolutely nuts and will blow your mind over and over and over again. But here's what you need to know about Job is that Job was a man of like so much wealth. So like the richest guy you can think of, that is Job. Job had it all, everything you can imagine. He was a well-respected man. He had a huge family. He had so many kids. But the most important thing about Job is that Job was a man of faith. And so we also what you need to know is that about Job is that he's living his life while he's doing that. God and Satan have this conversation and Satan made a, a point to God the scene. He said to God that Job only believes in God, only has faith in God because God has blessed him so much. And so maybe you've heard this story, but in that, in that thought, I think that's easy for us to think about too. It's easy for us to look at people in school and say, oh, well, they have it all. Like God must love them more than he loves me. They have more money than I do. God lo- must love his family more than he loves mine. And that is a lie that Satan is, is telling God that he's saying, Job loves you because of all you blessed him with. And God says, that's not true. Like, Job is a faithful servant. Job is faithful with a lot and with a little. Put him to the test. And so that's what Satan does. Literally, Satan goes into, like, he just basically destroys Job's life in a lot of ways. And so we're gonna walk through what some of this looks like, but this, imagine this, put yourself in Job's shoes, day one. Satan comes in, into the picture. Job's got all this livestock, gone. You've got natural disasters, and you've got people coming in and invaders taking over the land and livestock. Every, like, all of his riches, all of his wealth, gone, because in that day, so much money was tied up in, in livestock and in farming and agriculture and all of that. All of that, gone. So someone, Job gets that report, and he's questioning what's going on, like, why, like, okay? Next report that Job gets, all of his servants, dead. Imagine, like, owning your own business, and every single employee that you ever have just died all on the spot. Like, kind of nuts, right? Crazy. Same day, same day. Shortly after that, Job gets another report that every single one of Job's kids killed. Ten of them, literally ten kids, gone. Like, that's a bad day, right? Like, literally, imagine losing all your wealth, being super wealthy, and then you're super poor, losing your entire business, losing all your servants, 
and then literally all of your kids dying all on the same day. Like that's, I don't know that it can get much worse, but then you read Job's story and it does. So Satan is literally fully, he like wreaks havoc all over Job's life. So days go on and, and Satan continues to be at work in the midst of Job's life. And Job ends up getting a skin kind of disease all over his body. And so with that, just, um, he had all sorts of like boils. I'm trying to think of the actual word that, that he used. Uh, but there were just painful sores all over his body. And he like, it hurts to move in every capacity. And with those sores, his wife comes to him and is like, you should just curse God, like give up and die. Literally his wife says that. Like literally his wife, the person who's supposed to love him, support him, encourage him for the rest of his life, his ride or die says, you know what, Job? You're better off dead. Curse God and give up. It's not worth it. I can't imagine, I literally can't imagine what that's like. And so his, he, like, his love of his life is telling him to curse God, and he doesn't. He's questioning, absolutely. He's wondering, God, what are you doing? Why is this happening to me? I don't get it. I don't know what I've done wrong. But I am in pain, but I'm, not, like, I'm still faithful. And so Job begins a conversation with God through all of this pain, through all this turmoil, but you don't always have, like, the answer that you, you, you want at the time. Like, in the midst of all this pain, like, you want answers, you don't always get, and so Job is just asking God, like, why, why, why? And, and so Job ends up having a couple of his friends come into his life. And so for seven days, these friends are with Job, and they're wondering, and they just sit there in silence. They're mourning with Job, they're lamenting with Job as he's just trying to figure out what is happening. And on the seventh day, his friends begin to speak out. The friends finally just give Job like a piece of their mind and to say, you know what, Job, maybe, maybe you have done something. And this is what we're gonna look at tonight is we're gonna look at this passage from Job 11. So this is one of the friends who says this to Job. He says, Job, can you fathom the depths of God or discover the limits of the Almighty? For they are higher than the heavens, so what can you do? They are deeper than Sheol, which is hell. What can you know? Their, their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. If he passes, he, God, passes by and throws someone in prison or convenes a court, who can stop him? Surely he, God, knows which people are worthless. If he sees iniquity, will he not take note of it? Like literally his friends, talk about having an accurate or an inaccurate view of God. His friends have an inaccurate view of God because they have no idea the conversation that happened between God and Satan. They just assume that, God, that Job is being destroyed, like his life's falling apart because he's got a significant sin in his life that God is just coming down so hard and so wrathful for. And so that's what they speak into his life is like, surely, knows, surely God knows which people are worthless. And right now, Job, you are probably like down here on the worthless scale. And then they say, if, if he sees iniquity, if he sees our sin, if he sees where we've messed up, Will he not take note of it? Well, you better believe God's taking note of it because he's tallying up, he's coming for you right now. And so his Job's friends are literally coming all on his case, telling him he's been punished because of his sin, yet we know that's not the case. But once again, we have people making false judgments about who God is and why he's punishing Job when, we, when that's not the case. And so that's why like, our friends are important. Our influences on who is speaking into our life, on who God is and who God isn't, is important. But thankfully, Job doesn't buy into it. Job remains faithful, and throughout all of Satan's turmoil, 
He never curses God. But he goes back to the conversation that Job had, or that Satan had with God. You see, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knew from the very beginning that Job would not turn his back on God. He knew that Job's faith was stronger than being his blessings. But this idea and this theme of omniscience is a huge topic. And I know that can be like a, a really big thing to take on. But I want to, I want to give you guys a bigger scope. So we're going to look at David. Do you remember King David? Okay. Yes, he wrote Psalms. So we're going to be looking at Psalms 139, and this is what he says about God's omniscience. He says, God, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Like, this is crazy to me. God knows when we sit and when we stand. He knows when you go out and when you sleep. He literally knows the words that you say before you say them. And maybe that's convicting because we say things that we shouldn't sometimes, right? But God knew it, knew it. He knows the things that we will say. And just a few verses later, David continues. He says, in reference to God, your eyes saw my informed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Like, this is our God. So we answer this question, who is God? Like, in God's omniscience, he knew this. He saw you before you were born. He numbered your days. He wrote your days in his book. And just a few chapters after that in Psalm 147, we see David say, he counts the number of stars and he calls them by name. Like God of the universe, God who created everything, literally counts the millions and billions of stars that are in the galaxies and calls them by name. Maybe y'all don't like, y'all aren't taken back by that, but I am like shook. That's crazy that God literally names every single star. Like I can't even name 10 pets. You would give me 10 dogs. I couldn't put 10 names to them. Yet God does that with the, all the billion stars in the sky. And if God cares enough to name the stars, how much more do you think he cares about you? Well, we have an answer for that in Matthew. This is what we see in the last verse that we're gonna look at tonight is that Matthew 10, we see Matthew write, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Which means sparrows aren't worth very much. They're cheap. They're kind of worthless. But not one of them falls from the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So fear not, therefore, you are, worth, you are more value than many sparrows. So the sparrows that are worth pennies, like God cares for them. And you and I are worth far more than sparrows. Worth far more than he numbered the hairs on your head. I don't know if you've heard that before. But rereading that, I was like, he knows every single hair on my head. That is nuts to me. Maybe it's not to you. I know you girls have a lot of hair. Like, he knows every single one of them. Crazy. But as we think about this concept of God's omniscience, I want you to listen to this quote. God knows the temperature of every star, the composition of every planet, the size of every galaxy, and the course of every comet. He knows the shape of each snowflake and the design of every seashell. He understands the mysteries of the depths below and the heights above. He knows what lies beyond the galaxies and beyond the grave. His wisdom is as high as the heavens, as deep as the oceans, as broad as the cosmos, and as long as eternity. Like, this is our God. This is an all-knowing God. And so even in the midst of an all-knowing God who knows all things science, all things creation, all things beyond our understanding, he chose you and he chose me to be in a relationship with him, which is the best part of it all. And so practically speaking, you guys may be sitting here thinking like, okay, I get that God is all-knowing, I get that he's all-powerful. That's great and all, but how is this gonna affect me tomorrow? 
How is this going to affect my week? How is this going to affect my friends? Well, this is what I want you to know about an all-knowing God. On all eyes up here, because this is important. Knowing God is not like knowing a textbook. And I told you guys that, told you guys that this morning. I'm going to say that one more time because we treat, it like this, we treat this book far too much like a textbook. But knowing God is not like knowing a textbook. Knowing God is not just an academic study. You see, knowing God is a journey of life-impacting influence on you and your everyday life so that you can, on you and your everyday life. So it's vital that you treat your relationship with God like you treat knowing your best friend, like getting to know your best friend. Not like studying for a test to ace it and then forget it a month from now. That's not why we study scripture. That's not why we study God's word. That's not why we study God himself. He is not a test to be passed. He is a relationship that changes your life. And so knowing that, this is what is encompassed with an all-knowing God. Is that while God knows you, he knows the ins and outs of you. He knows how much of a mess you are. He knows how much of a mess I am. He sees our scripts, he sees our sin, he sees our, like, what we do well. But he knows every part of us. But especially as he sees us in our mess, he loves us. Like, and he cannot love you any less and he cannot love you any more because his love for you right now, this very moment, is perfect. I want that to resonate with you. His love for you right now, this very moment, is perfect. God will never love you any more or any less. It is perfect. And that is because he is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He knows you from before you were born. He knows the days of your life. He knows the words you'll say. He knows the time you will die. And he loves you in the midst of all of your mess. And so I'm gonna close this out in prayer and we're gonna wrap up this evening. But I want you to leave here tonight having an accurate view of God and having an accurate view of God's omniscience because this is a vital truth of who he is and who the Bible says he is. And so as I want you to close your eyes in prayer. As you close your eyes, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I have an accurate view of God? Do I have an accurate view of God? And as you think about that, as you think about God's omniscience, as you think about God, his character, him being all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, like God wants to know, as he knows you already, he wants you to know him and love him with your entire life. So ask yourself that question. What do I know to be true? Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this truth that it is uh, in knowing that you are good, God, that you love us perfectly, and that that is enough. God, I thank you for, for your omniscience, for knowing me and knowing me in my mess, knowing me for who you've created me to be, God. I thank you for knowing each and every one of these students, and I pray that as, as you continue to, to develop their own relationship with you, God, that you allow them to have a more accurate view of who you are and who you've made them to be. God, we love you, and we thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.